0: Lord Jesus, we've welcomed you here this morning and we're genuine about that. You're our life. And Lord, as I bow before you and I pray, I just invite you to anoint the precious word that you have given to our ears and transform our lives, we pray, by the renewing of our mind and say special words for people through my message, your message to them. We invite you, we love you, we thank you for being with us, Lord. It's great. It's great to be alive. It's great to be a Christian. Great to be on our way to heaven. We rejoice you for our sins forgiven, in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Well, we've been doing a series on open lies, hidden truths. I thought a little bit of review wouldn't hurt. And so we just look at the question again of what is sin? Mark's preached a few messages on it, and uh, Liz preached a message and d- under different headings, but I just thought I'd pull a few together. The first is sin can separate us from God. Sin does separate us from God, but isn't it good, Christians, that just because we sin doesn't mean to say God forsakes us. We're still connected, but we've got to get that sin out of our way, out of our lives. But God... God's love is so great that even despite our failures, he perseveres with us because he treats us just like young children in the family. We have to be disciplined. We have to learn. And sometimes we learn from our mistakes. But he's a loving father who doesn't reject us. I'm glad about that. Hallelujah. God's not looking for something in your life to reject you. I read that just recently. I think it's terrific. God is not looking at us to find something to reject us. I'll tell you what, that's what the devil wants you to believe. God's the fault finder. He's looking for all these weaknesses and faults to, to condemn you. and put. That's, that, that is the devil's rubbish. But it's amazing how many times we believe the negative about ourselves and the negatives that the devil puts into our head. Sin can separate us from God. Second thing, sin can feel good. But if we end up destroying ourselves and or others, that's not good and displeases God. But it doesn't mean to say he puts us out of the family and banishes us. Sin is also driven by evil personalities. We need to understand we have an enemy. We'll learn that this morning as we go from the the, the beginning of the book, maybe not to the end but sin is driven by evil personalities headed up by none other than the devil and then he has hordes of evil spirits called demons and they are out to oppose us They they were the ones that was the devil who actually tempted Jesus even the son of God three times in the wilderness God had said he was his son but the devil came and started to say if you are the son of God what was he trying to create? a doubt That's what he tries to do to you and me, to give us doubts, create doubts, fears, condemnation. Away with him. Hallelujah. Let's stand against the walls of the devil. Sin leads to death. That's another thing we learn. It puts people on the broad road that leads to destruction. Some people think they're enjoying their way on the, the broad road. And they think they're going to be partying in hell. But the Bible tells us we need to get off the broad road that leads to destruction. Because that's where people who are on that road are going to end up. And it's serious. I feel if there's one thing I can say this morning, I've got a serious message. But it doesn't have to be dour and somber. But it's an urgent message. Because I see so much deception in the world. And our message this morning is sin is deceptive. And so many people are being sucked in by the deceptions of the devil, the deceptions in the world. Let me not hasten on too fast. Sin is not doing good when you know to do good. James chapter 4 verse 17. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Another definition of Sin is found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, when it states, sin is lawlessness. You could describe sin as lawlessness, without law. Okay, just having a look at those few things, I move on to our truth today. The hidden truth, we're going to share some of the lies that are around today. But the hidden truth today, and God wants you to know, is that sin is deceptive. We can be easily mistaken and misled by sin because it is deceptive. Its very nature is deceptive. God's nature is truth, faithfulness. He's like the rock of ages. He can't be moved. He's immutable, unchangeable. But my, oh my, the devil will use any gimmick, any game, any lie to trip you up and to destroy your life because he's come to rob and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. Sin is deceptive because it can deceive us. We can be easily mistaken and misled. It can deceive us, get us off the track, break our focus. You'll hear me say that a few times this morning. It can trick us. Where where do magicians get their tricks from? They can be pretty smart of hand movements and that kind of thing. But it comes from the world of subterfuge, of getting you to believe a lie. You're seeing something that's not really true, deceptive. And now, because many of us have got computers in this day, we've come to know the word scam and how we can be tripped up or our computer and our work on the computer can be interfered with And if we don't keep out the viruses, we can lose the whole lot. And the devil's out to put in viruses into our lives with lies, untruths, exaggerations, condemnation, guilt. And try to destroy us and pull us down. In the last days, Jesus, as well as Paul, prophesied that perilous times would come. There would be, listen to this. There'll be false Christs. The devil will go as far as trying to reproduce another Jesus who's a deceiver. There'll be false prophets. You've got to know what you believe today. You need need to get this word into you because there's so many damnable doctrines around. There are so many theories. There's so many religions and everyone's carrying on as if they've got the truth. But I tell you what, if it doesn't line up with this, it's not the truth. You need to know that. And I believe there are, some, there are so many deceptions that are evolving in the world, you can see the buildup, And if you don't know the word of God, friend, what defense have you got? Well, you've got one defense, and that's the Holy Spirit, if you let him live in you and you'll listen to him. The word and the spirit agree. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, and I trust you'll listen to this verse as I read it, because we may want things to improve. And there's every chance that some things may improve in certain circles. I trust the church keeps getting stronger. I trust that people keep getting saved. But the Bible tells us that evil men and imposters or deceivers or frauds will grow worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. That's the prospect. That doesn't sound good. It sounds like a lot of people are going to be assaulted with deception. Evil men will get worse and worse. They'll abound. Deceiving and being deceived. It'll catch up with them. But it doesn't mean to say it'll get rid of deception. While ever the devil's around, there'll be deception. While ever there are lying spirits, oppressing spirits there'll be things that you have to fight and put off. But I notice after verse 13 and 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17 tell us, but as for you, continue in the things which you have learned. All scripture, these, this is just a, brev, a brief run on those verses, 14 to 17. Continue in the things which you have learned. All scripture is inspired and given to us by God. This is our resource friends This is our map This is our guide It's inspired And given to us by God And it is profitable You can't do without it As a man going out And having a a hike somewhere He's got to have a map to know where he is And where he's going etc got to have a compass The Bible's like a compass And if we don't have the compass We can get lost and off track It could be destroyed. The word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. We need it. We need to keep up to date with the truths of God's word because they can slip from our memory. And these beautiful words tell us that we can be thoroughly equipped I like that, That, that's complete, thoroughly equipped. Friends, if you don't get into the Word of God and make that your treasure and desire it and your food, then there's every chance that you're going to get off track. It instructs you in righteousness and it will thoroughly equip you for the climbing you've got to do, for the breakthroughing you've got to do, for the service you've got to do, for the ministry you've got. The Word of God is so needful I can't stress that enough and when you look at the scenario of what is happening in our world and what is going to happen we need anti-deception equipment we need the package just like you get a, a, an antivirus package for a computer we need an antivirus an anti-deception package for our lives and bless God this is the manual amen and the Holy Ghost can help you destroy the viruses. Yes, they may be hanging around. They, come, they do come to computers. No matter how much you do, they will try and get in. But you see, if you've got the Word of God and you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got a sound defense. All you've got to do is listen, be taught, be teachable. And God has also enabled us to become born again. John chapter 3, born again. And also to be filled with the Spirit and to be guided by the Spirit. The equipment's all available. Will we use it? And the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. I would say that's our most necessary equipment with all the deception that's going to come around. You know what? You'll find experiences in life when you're talking to someone or in a group or you might even, even hear a preacher, not here of course, and you hear something that... something. Doesn't seem right. You don't know what it is, but something inside of you says, uh-uh, this ain't genuine. This is not scriptural. This is not divine. That's the Holy Spirit in you to detect. He's working say, Don't listen to any more of this. In some places, you may have to even get out of. I'm telling you, you young Christians, because you've just come to know the Lord, the devil will send emissaries because he wants you to get into that, that, that other group. They might come along and say, we've got good stuff at our church or our group and try and hive you off into deception. Stick with God's people. Regularly fellowship. Amen. Build a great defense. All right. We've spoken about deception a bit. Now we're going to deal with the open lies that we're facing. The old comment, everybody's doing it. Lying. Adultery, there's abortion, pornography, fornication, homosexuality, drunkenness, stealing, deception and rebellion against God's will and plans for mankind. God has made a wonderful world and if we will go his way and do things his way, we can have a wonderful society. We can have wonderful fellowship. We can have a wonderful world. But the devil's trying to see to it that it's not nice, that it's evil. And it's destroying so many people. I have an example of, of some public matters. First of all, Jared Baden-Clay. You would have all heard the name if you listened to the news at all. He's been through the murder of his wife case. Do you know what? I would think that with Jared Baden-Clay, Baden-Clay, it all started with a lie. It all started with a lie. Just one little lie. And then another lie And after a while you start to become a liar You get a seared conscious about it He was a salesman And that's a very, very big opportunity For a person to develop that sort of area in your life Because you make sales You get rich, you see Because you can deceive people And get some money off them Well, he was living a lie He not only told lies But he was living a lie He was living or having a relationship With another woman Deceiving his wife Till she found out And he had to confess Then he told his wife It's all off It's all off Not seeing it Well that was a lie A bigger lie And then I understand There was going to be an occasion Where his wife And this other woman Would meet at a Special real estate conference And he thought This is going to be Confronted And so he became so fearful, it wasn't long after that that he did the evil deed and destroyed his wife's life. Now, we can start off with something little, a little deception, but it leads to another deception and another deception and another deception until lives are destroyed. Now, what was the price of his lying, his deceiving? Well, he's got life in prison and maybe 15 years before he can be paroled. That's a tragic outcome, isn't it? I mean, you think of what he could be living, what he could be doing. And he's going to be in a locked up cell most of the time. Isn't it tragic? And do you know why that occurred? Because he chose to listen to the devil. He chose to listen to evil. He thought he could get away with things. There for the grace of God go I. I don't condemn, but I'm trying to illustrate a truth this morning. Deception is real. It wrecks lives. And do you think, what do you think about the three girls? Did he ever think about the three girls? What would happen? Oh, no. You see, we become so hooked, so deceived in our own plan, in our own world, in our own desires, we forget about the ones we should care for. It's tragic. And I'm saying that this morning because there may be some little white lie. You think it's a white one, but it's a dirty big black one. But you might think, oh, I can handle this. I can go along with this. I'll use that from time to time and so on. Beware. Beware. The second illustration of a public nature I want to share with you this morning is the tremendous deception that the whole world is being exposed to through Hamas and Gaza, Strip. A whole big deception. They keep on saying, Israel's in the wrong, but who's firing the rockets? Who won't stop firing the rockets? And they expect us to believe that tribe. Lies. They keep firing hundreds of rockets over the border into Israel and then turn around and blame Israel. And then when Israel went in, they found this huge underground network of tunnels where they could be sustained underground. Deceptive. And then there was a, There's something I learned, I don't know if you heard this on the news, but this was amazing to me. There's been a terrific deceptive diversion of donations and finances to Hamas. Because of the people caring for the Palestinians and thinking they're so poor and having such a hard time, people raised donations. Legitimately and illegitimately. And there's been millions and millions of dollars sent into the Gaza Strip and to Hamas. Do you know what I heard? Amongst them, the leadership, there's 1,200 millionaires. So much for donations. They're getting pocketed. And if they don't use them for that, they use them for armaments. They're not so much interested in trying to minister the needs of the people, they're making themselves filthy rich. That's disgusting. That's deception. And all the people who sent their money, our hard-earned money, that's what it's going to. You see, that's a deception that the world is being exposed to and we're meant to buy it and feel sorry for them. Let God be judge. Amen? And then, just recently with the, Israel getting a bit tired of all these rockets coming over, they went in there and uh, after a little while, of course, oh, let's have a truce, let's have a truce. So they have a truce. Well, who broke the first truce? Hamas. Oh, then the fighting goes on and they have another time for getting together another truce. And who broke the second truce? Hamas. Third time? Hamas. Fourth time? Hamas. You can't trust people who are deceptive. They're under deception. It's sad, isn't it? But you see, when you live in the world where that kind of lie is coming through our televisions and our radios and our newspapers and every other means, you know, if you don't keep yourself pure as far as the truth's concerned, you will become a sucker for the lie. You'll take the bait. Because it's spiritual. And if you don't keep yourself in the truth, you can start to tell the lie. You can start to be a little bit deceptive. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit day by day. Amen. All right, then there was another lie. That's the open lie, you know, that you can lie. And of course, Jared Baden-Clay believed that you could have adultery because he had that affair on his side with the woman in his own office. Then there's the lie about abortion. Oh, it's okay. It's not bad. It's not, it's not evil. Woman's got a right to have a choice. What a lie. Choice to murder a little innocent baby, not even come into the world. And we're getting so hardened, friend. This is the thing people don't realise. We're getting so hardened as a generation because of all this evil going on. It hardens hearts. You can't do that without getting hardened. And we're getting exposed to it. I, I, I say to you, what's your viewpoint on it? There are some Christians who think it's okay for a woman to choose. What about other issues? homosexuality. People have got away from the word of God and now we've got churches that are for homosexuals. What do you believe about it? What do you believe about same-sex marriage? I tell you what, if you don't get into the word of God and get the word of God into you, you'll start believing the lie that it's okay. Can I hear an amen? You see, there's a brainwash going on. And after a while we can get tired of the fight and start to relax the views. And our politicians are being approached and they they want them now to have a conscience vote and all all that. They'll use any means they can to try and get the lie through. All right. You remember, there's an old thought. They won't catch us. You know, I I know I'm pretty good. They won't catch me. Catch me. I'm a good robber. You know, I'm a good drug mule. Well, the barley nine, what about them? They got caught. What a tragic end to lives. Well, not an end, but they're getting near the end and some of them have been given a life sentence. It's tragic. It's because they believed that they could get away with it. Are you trying to get away with something? Have another deeper look. If it doesn't please God, dump it. Get rid of it. Don't be sorry because you've been caught. Be sorry and repent and turn from it. Change your lifestyle Praise the Lord Right Then you know There's the old story We can handle it Oh yeah We can handle these negative things We can handle this sin We know when to quit Well you are Samson Samson had his Delilah And he kept on playing the fool Instead of being a covenant child of God Living in a holy relationship And living for God He started to play around. And in Judges chapters 13 to 16, we can read about Samson's demise. Because he gave them his secret, he ended up having his eyes put out. How about that? That's a price for saying you've got some new enlightenment, that you can do things different to somebody else, end up being blinded. That's what the devil will do. Blind us instead of being like God who helps us to see. Bless God takes the covers off evil and and exposes it. Praise God, so people will flee from it. And then there is the saying, I would know sin if I saw it. Would you know sin if you saw it? I'm sure you'd see some things then you'd know, oh that's sin, definitely that's sin. But there are some things I'm sure many of us would not be able to detect because the the. The line is so fine. I've heard uh, on the news and current affair programs sometimes, uh, you know, two politicians or two eminent people in, on a certain subject talking. Do you know by the time they're finished, I don't know who's right and who's wrong. That, do you get that? Yeah, I, I think we've got to increase our discernment. Listen to our spirit. But that's what it's like. And the, the airwaves... And the media are throwing this sort of stuff to us. I just want to repeat one thing. I hope I'm not going to run out of time today. What time did I start, by the way? What time did I start? Ten past past ten. All right. Okay. This issue uh, about if a woman has an abortion, she increases the risk of breast cancer by 20%. Now, the research is in. They've had research after research after research and the research is in. It's a fact. But what do we have on the ABC News just the other night? A woman being interviewed, might have been the 7.30 report, and she's arguing against the facts. And the devil made sure she got promoted. Her viewpoint got promoted. Don't worry about all the research facts. It's in many of them. Ros Phillips of Family Voice Australia she knows all about it. She's done the research. If you wanted facts on it, just contact Family Voice Australia. Great woman of God. Great husband too, David, Dr. David Phillips. We need to know the correct information. The devil builds his statistics. And he wants his way and his numbers to be the ones that are portrayed and pushed well the devil is a liar but we have to be discerning we have to be well informed i don't see how you can live in this world as a christian and not be informed of some of these issues because otherwise you are going to when you're asked for your opinion what are you going to say i mean i have been disgusted to here that pentecostals have formed a homosexual church You know, you'd never think of this. I said to Paddy last night or the night before, I said, if some of these people of the previous generations were to come back, rise from the dead and come back and hear what's going on, they'd say, take me back, take me back. It's just become so disgusting. You see, we've been like the frog in the boiling kettle, slowly heating. We've got so used to it, we don't know when we're going to get cooked. It's just been going gradually, gradually, gradually. And that's why you need to get your anti-deception apparatus in gear because you don't know how much you have moved. If you don't keep going back to the foundations and checking, you can be deceived. So when people ask you questions, know your values. Know what's right. Know what's wrong. Know what God says. Know what the devil's trying to do. Hallelujah. All right, now... We're going to go back to the grand book, the greatest book in the world. We're going back to the beginning. Not quite chapter one. We won't deal with the creation this morning. There's a big old deception about that going on, isn't there? Evolution. Well, we'll put that aside because God built all things. I believe in the Bible. Hallelujah. Verse seven of chapter two. And the word of God says, and the Lord God formed. Now, let me just go back a moment. On a previous slide, I said this. Uh, I would know sin if I saw it. And in the brackets I wrote, let's ask Eve. Would she know sin if she saw it? She had a good source to get the truth, access to the throne, access to God. You'd think she would know. In fact, God told her. She had to be careful Told her what not to do But you see the pride of life Deception The devil came along And she became subject to a lie Let's read it Verse 7 of chapter 2 of Genesis And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life And man became a living soul Verse 8 The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden And there he put the man whom he had formed Verse 9, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Two trees to choose from as well as all the others. But one was forbidden. Verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man saying... Commanded the man saying Here's Eve's clue After she was made Because here she was not made At that point From every tree of the garden You may freely eat Verse 17 But from the tree of the knowledge Of good and evil You shall not eat For in the day that you eat The fruit of it You shall surely die We know that she didn't die And keel over straight away But it set in process set emotion motion and process that brought about their ultimate death but it also ended up getting them out of the garden they, God had to put them out of the garden because there was a tree of life in the garden and if they'd got in there and started to eat of the tree of life after having eaten of the wrong tree the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil they would have survived or been able to survive in that sinful state and God didn't want that so he put an angel there at the garden's gate and he had a big sword and they couldn't get back in that's the mercy of God Mercy of God. Well, Adam and Eve were without sin, talking with God each day, I presume. Most likely they were talking each day. It talks about God coming down the garden in the cool of the day, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And Adam and Eve were enjoying fellowship together. Beautiful. What a life. Fancy in a great garden of Eden and having fellowship with the Almighty God. Let me say, deception is about to enter this glorious scene. This wonderful Garden of Eden. And it's going to come via Satan or the devil as we call him. And he's going to be disguised as the serpent. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Now before we go on, I just want to say to you what Jesus said about this person. In John's Gospel chapter 8, verse 44, we get a description by Jesus of this person, the devil, the serpent who was going to speak on behalf of the devil and promote the lie. So Jesus uses these words. It's found in John 8, 44, and we'll call it identifying the deceiver. Jesus states to those who were opposing him in his ministry on earth, he, he gave them the... The bad news, but it was to get them straight in the before the eyes, hit them between the eyes, so that they would know that they were deceived. But it takes it takes grace and it takes humility to yield to the truth when you're believing lies. But Jesus described the devil this way, and he described the people who were following him this way. He said to these the opposition. You are of your father, the devil. Oh, dear, that's you. Don't get that news in church. You shouldn't get that at the synagogue. You shouldn't get it in the precepts of the temple. Fancy hearing that? But Jesus had to tell them straight. When you deceive some people, or when, when you deceive, you need to hear the truth, and it needs to come straight. What's the use of messing around? Only fogs the message. So he said to them You are of your father the devil And the desires of your father the devil You want to do He was a murderer from the beginning And does not stand in the truth Because there is no truth in him Hear that friends When you dabble with the devil There's no truth Partial But truth missing With God You deal with God And you deal with truth Holiness Righteousness All the beautiful qualities we need to live by. He goes on to say, when he speaks a lie, the devil, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So the scene is set. So she doesn't know what we've just shared with you. She didn't know then. So she's in the garden. And this is Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning or crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat from every tree of the garden? Question mark. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, That's a bit vague because there's two trees. She talks about one tree. God has said, you shall not eat it. So she's thinking of the one she shouldn't be touching. You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. I didn't see that in God's command. Didn't say anything about touching it. Not to eat it. Lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Now here's an individual got truth on one side and and deception on the other, a lie on the other. And they've got to make a judgment. So what judgment does a human being make if they don't have good spiritual input? What judgment will they make? They will go by their senses, by their feelings, by their own desire and so on. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. there's there's a uh, a deception that's being presented and god was saying to eve you can overcome this if you believe what i've said that's that's the hidden message behind the scenes she had the truth she was told not to obey the devil not to obey the lie she was And she would have included all that if she'd just been obedient, simply and humbly obedient. But something was ticking. God knows that in the day you eat eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's the devil's extra input. He says, God's holding out on you, Eve. He knows that if you eat this fruit, you can become like him and know good from evil. So what's going on in her mind? She's becoming double-minded. Ooh, this, this could be good. God said not to eat it, but boy, what well, not my summing up? He's thinking, I, I, I think I could profit from a good bite. And verse 6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so she's looking now, The devil has got her looking, got her right near it. When she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to make one wise, oh, I I thought it was deadly. She thought it was going to make her wise. She took its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And all of a sudden, the whole thing just blew open. Verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. What's happened? This beautiful garden, and all of a sudden, there's people getting fig leaves to cover themselves, and the forbidden fruit's been eaten, and the deception has taken root. What a tragedy. And do you know what their decision was so far-reaching? It affects us right down to this day, and it's going to affect every person born till Jesus comes. Sin came into the world through that one act, and that's the thing you and I, friends, have got to fight. God says, "Thou shalt not sin." That, virtually, that's what He's saying: live righteously, please Me, obey My commandments. It's for your health. It's for your better life. All right, we're into even the serpent. The devil was out to break Eve's focus on the truth. You see, that's what he tries to do. You you get to know some of the commandments of God and the word of God. The devil's out to distract you from that. He will use every trick in the book. When you go to read your Bible at night, new Christian, an older Christian too, do other things come in and, oh, I'll do that later, I'll do that later, and then something else comes and you never get to do it. You're going to pray and something distracts you. Oh, I've got to do something. And you never pray. And so there's a distraction. There's a a deception taking place to keep you away from what you need to partake of. That of obeying and living for God. The devil does the same to us and I call it broken focus. If you can break someone's focus in life, if a man wants to become a millionaire... And that's what he's pouring his whole life into. If you can break his focus by other distractions telling him he'll become famous this way or he can make some money that way, you can break his focus and he'll never become what he wants to be. Now, God knows what he wants to make you and I and he's given us the wherewithal. And it's terrific. Just don't think of this life. Think of the next, what you'll be in God's future kingdom. What promises? What glorious advantages? What options to serve him and love him? Be on an eternal adventure. Be with the angels. Be with God. Wonderful. So don't let the devil break your focus. Stick with the truth. Abide in the truth. Get the word of God into you. Don't let anything stop your Bible reading and study or time with God. And... I'll include church attendance and Bible study attendance and prayer meeting attendance. Get involved as much as you can because you are making your life. You are developing your future. I wish you could really get that. You are creating your future. I'm going to take a page out of some notes I've got back here. I read this this morning out of a devotional I have. And it's From the Father's Heart, a book called From the Father's Heart. It's titled Heaven and Hell. I won't read the scripture references, but this is what it says. Restless One. This is the father talking to his son, one of the servants of God in in the world. In answer to your question of how a loving God can allow there to be a hell, consider this. Heaven and hell are conditions of the heart before they can ever be anything else. And a man conditions his heart for his final destiny by his own habitual choices. It is choice that constructs character, fashioning it for either everlasting joy or endless torment. Thus every decision a man makes, whether great or small, to some degree affects his destiny. It is the law of cause and effect. The way reality is bound to work and will always work. Every choice... Contributes to his to the design, disposition, and final fixation of the inner self. Yes, choice is the chisel by which the character is carved. And he the Father says, Child, I banish no one, and neither do I assign men and women to heaven or hell. All are designed for their destinies by their own repeated decisions hear that it's not just making one decision for Christ it's the, you've got to make a succession of continuing decisions it's not just starting well it's finishing these can be there can be no heaven for the soul conditioned for hell streets of gold would burn the feet of a greedy and miserly man far more than the flames of outer darkness But the grateful and generous hearted will see heaven in the worst of hells. It is written, light will arise in the blackest night for the man of integrity and love. Heaven would be the worst of hells for the soul unprepared for its environment. If a man has repeatedly refused the the joys of heaven offered him in earthly life, how could he desire them in the life to come? He would have actually grown to prefer the perverted joys of hell. A woman who had learned to enjoy self-pity and complaining would never feel at home in a realm of thanksgiving and praise like heaven. A man consumed with ambition could find no pleasure in a land of love and submission. Lust at any cost, whether for pleasure or power or possessions, eventually erodes everything worth having. When a man's lust becomes his idol, it literally destroys his capacity to make a righteous choice. Such a man would never recognize me if he saw me, the Lord says nor would he ever want me if he did. Everyday presence presents fresh opportunities to choose life or death, love or hate, heaven or hell. So now do you see why I keep talking about the importance of thanksgiving, love and forgiveness? If you practice practice choosing these, you will find yourself already in the habit of heaven. You see, you're preparing yourself to cooperate with heaven. So just remember, every decision you make, you're forming a life. Very powerful. Eve's deception came by the devil getting her to doubt God's words, to break her focus on what God's commandment demanded of her. And the devil implied, God is holding back from you something that is good. That was a lie. I can't think of the word, but it was like he slandered God. The devil slandered God and virtually says he's lying to you. That's what the devil will do. He'll lie to you, even to make make himself look good and God look bad. Lie. If the word is fresh in us, we're less likely to yield. Now we have a statement on the board. Temptation is to get get us to do illegitimate or wrong or unlawful things. And we're in a world where we will continually face temptation. You'll never be able to get rid of it. You'll have times when it's not as hard as others. But that's the way God's ordained. And of course, amongst that temptation, there is deception. Deception, listen to this statement. Deception is temptation accepted as legitimate. And you see the temptation the devil gave to Eve, she transferred what the devil said and put that in place of what God had said. She's thinking, oh, I'm going to become wise. I'm going to become like God. God says, if you eat this, you're going to die. Serious consequences, eh? Choice. You will not surely die, Satan. You will not surely die. And that's the word I wanted. Satan defamed God. Slandered God. Satan deceived Eve into believing a lie and he still does that to us if we let him. I've got a verse, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23, and it's a brief verse. And it says, buy the truth and sell it not. I love saying it. Buy the truth and sell it not. Don't sell the truth. Don't bargain with the truth. The truth is the truth. Truth comes from God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. That's what we live by. That's what we need to keep our integrity, our salvation. Verse 5 of the story goes on to say, Eve saw the tree was good for food. Plus the devil's lie was ringing in her ears. You'll be wise and know good and evil like God. But in her lust for the fruit she forgot about, you shall surely die. Eve yielded to deception in her mind, her thoughts, then her desire, her emotions were stirred because the thoughts were getting changed. And then she made a choice by her own will and she bought the devil's lie. I want to read two verses to you from 1 John chapter 2, the first epistle of John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. They're not on the screen. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Praise God. Have you got the words up there? No. Okay. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, or eyes for more, or different. Oh, the lust of the flesh, or eyes. For more. Don't you know how you get tempted for more? Or for something different? Not settled. Not at peace. We've always got to have something. There's a covetous thing that can get a hold of us. Always got to have something different. Oh, the car's getting a bit old. Oh, I must buy a new car. Oh, I must buy another house. I must do this. I must do that. Do we think about laying up treasure in heaven? Have, have we got our priorities right? Yes, I know we've got to do things legitimately and, and have a house and have a car and so on. But... There's a lot of stuff men and women don't have to have. They can go without and they can help build the kingdom of God and they can help support missionaries and they can all help to extend the kingdom of heaven. But you see, if you are open to that voice of covetousness, you've got to have more. Oh, it's got to be different. Got to have change. It's got to be better. And of course, the pride of life is behind that. And so we try to be God apart from God. We try to make our life glamorous. We try to make our life fulfilling. But if we ignore the one person and the one being who can help us, we're not going to have a quality life, maybe in the eyes of the world. But when it comes to Judgment Day, when it comes to Resurrection Day, what's going to happen? Which side will you be on? Where will you be lining up? The Judgment Seat of Christ or the Judgment... Great white judgment throne. Genesis 3.13, the Lord said, at the end of this, ex- this exercise, remember this is historic. This is at the beginning of our Bible where lies and truth are, are set together for us to learn a lesson. Great lessons. The Lord said to Eve, what is this that you have done? The Lord put Eve on the spot. What is this that you have done? In the end, friend, we'll be answering a similar question or questions at the great white throne. What have you done with your life? Mm, oh, yes, I know you read the Bible at some I know you're a Christian for some little period. And I, yes, that's right, I know you went to church. And yeah, I know you, you, you tried to live by the golden rule. But, What is this that you have done? Eve ignored what God had instructed. And if we ignore what God instructs, we could end up in the same mess that Eve ended up. And what are her sad words? The serpent deceived me. And I ate the wrong fruit. The devil deceived me. The power of deception affected the whole human race. Well, we go over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. This is Paul, a great apostle, writing. And he says, Don't let anyone deceive you with empty words, the theories of men. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. That's the introduction as far as I'm concerned. I'm starting from the bottom of those seven verses and I'm going to work backwards. Don't be deceived with empty words. There's a lot of theories around. Then he says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting." But rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now that's black and white. And Paul is warning them, those at Ephesus. And it comes through to us. Don't play around with these things. Don't try and make excuses for them. Deal with them. Get rid of them out of your lives. Because you won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. We are to let no one deceive us by tempting us to indulge in the above sins of verses 5, chapter 5 of Ephesians, verses 3 to 5, those ones we've just read. And we won't obey those things if we obey verses 1 and 2 of the same chapter. Okay? What do they say? Therefore be followers imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma are you willing to let your life become a sacrifice for God and for Jesus Christ to obey him and lay your life down you're going to give yourself an apparatus It'll pick up deception. You'll be wise. You won't sin. You won't get into the vices that could destroy your life and others too. We have another verse from Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. The the, The word comes again. Don't be under deception. God is not mocked. And this is bearing out the principle I just read with that story. For whatever a person sows, that will they also reap. The daily habit of what you allow into your mind, the things you watch, the things you do, the the people you mingle with, that's all having a bearing on your life and your choices and what you're developing. And God's word says, For they who sow to their flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but they who sow to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So we're going to develop better habits. We're going to develop new habits. We're going to get really serious about getting to know the word of God really serious do you really study the word of God do you try and read it by the Bible through or is it oh well one day one day your life's going by what you're putting into it is seed for the future and for the kingdom of God it's serious really and if you haven't got the strength in you say, oh, I'll make it I'll just keep drifting along here I think I'm but you don't know the big storm that's around the corner you don't know what devilish temptation could be around the corner Get your foundations deep. Get the word of God into you. We will reap from what we sow and are now reaping from what's been sown in our past. If we want a different harvest, we have to plant different seed from now on. It is a deception to think that our performance, our performance, our strength, our, our ideas... We'll change our hearts. It's got to be more than just a turning over a new leaf or having a reformation or a New Year's resolution. It's got to be something more than that. People are trying all the time to be better and improve their lives in the image of others. But where does Jesus get a place in their hearts? We need to yield to the Christ within us, to receive him as our Lord, and to reckon ourselves dead to the old ways the old habits and the old temptations we need to change our thinking by the renewing of our mind and change the focus to be on Christ's resurrection power not just Noel Brown's power not just Noel Brown's strength just put your own name in there we have to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit's power that's been given to us in conclusion sin is deceptive and eternally deadly and so, it, so is its mastermind, the devil. So we herald the verse of scripture that says, now is the day of salvation. That comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. We need to not just make a decision, we need to become a disciple. Do you understand the difference? Many people can say in the Christian fraternity, oh, I made a decision for Christ. Might have been when they were a child, a teenager. But has it been followed through? Did they become a disciple? Jesus talked about disciples. He wanted his apostles to go and make disciples. That's a disciplined one. And I know a lot of us have been so weakened in our wills over the years of being raised maybe in homes that were liberal. We weren't disciplined thoroughly. And so we've grown up very selfish very, very self-oriented. We're not. Don't live like. Well, what's God say? Or what's Jesus say? What's the Holy Spirit say? What's the Bible say? Well, you know, I'm the one who counts. And so, because of that lack of self-discipline, we can become subject to deception. But I say now is the day of salvation. But it's a salvation that transforms. It's a salvation that changes. And it's a salvation that God wants to help you become a disciple, a disciplined one. A closing word to those who need to hear it. It's a deception to think that if you're a good person, doing good things and trying not to hurt anyone, that you will somehow in your own strength earn heaven. The truth is that any one sin or rebellion against God is worthy of hell. Jesus paid the price for us to be saved and walk free. If we could earn heaven by our efforts, Jesus died in vain for nothing and no one. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Not trust yourself. In Matthew's gospel, we read in chapter 4 that Satan the devil tried to deceive Jesus, questioning him three different times. If you are the son of God, after God had testified that he was, but then Satan came in and he offered The whole world to Jesus without the cross. You bow down and worship me and I'll give you the whole world. You can have the lot. Jesus wasn't going to do that, was he? Because he was obedient to the Father. He was out to please the Father. He came under tremendous pressure. He the devil didn't wait till he was strong. He waited till he had fasted forty days and forty nights in the wilderness. Then he came and got him. The devil hit you in the back, friends. You're not a gentleman. Not a gentleman. Don't believe his lies and insinuations. Get mad at the devil. You know, if there's problems in your life, rise up. Go to prayer. Go to fasting. Get deliverance. Beat the thing. Don't let it shackle you. Don't let it hold you in a prison. Jesus said, I've come to set you free. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. John 8, 32. And he says this, if you continue in my word, then are you, my, you are my disciples indeed and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And sometimes we want to be set free, but we're not prepared to do the homework. Don't need an amen on that one, but I believe it. Amen. We have to do the homework, so to speak. And I guess that's a bad word because it sounds like school and study. But I'm telling you what, we have to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's Bible, 1 Timothy 2.15. You can't get away from discipline, self-discipline. You're a disciple now. Don't try and look for an easy route. Stop trying to let other people carry a burden. Bear your own burden, Galatians 6 says, and help someone else with theirs. You shall worship the Lord your God. These are the words that Jesus said. It is written, he came back by answering with the word of God. And if you don't know the word of God, when the assault of the devil comes, if you don't know the truth, you won't know how to pull out your sword and defeat the devil. By it is written. Serious. It's knowing and acting on the truth that sets us free and keeps us free. Praise the Lord. Well, has that put a tiger in your tank, as it were? Has that stirred up the Holy Spirit in you? Amen. Amen. Is it renewed your mind? Because sin is deceptive. And it can tell us that we're doing okay. It can tell us that we're okay and uh, things are going great. When Jesus, if he was to assess it, he might say, I think you're a bit lukewarm. I think you're a bit lukewarm. I want you hot or cold. Get on one side or the other. Go for God, boots and all. Hallelujah. I raised the trumpet call this morning. I blow the trumpet in Zion. Hallelujah. We want to be enthusiastic. By the way, it's great to see things that are happening in the church. Praise the Lord. Keep praying. Keep believing. And it wouldn't hurt if you joined the prayers. That would be great. Be a good disciple. Hallelujah. All right. Let's just bow in prayer. Lord, you know every heart. Nothing's hidden from you. And Lord, we're not trying to expose just for the sake of exposing. Lord, we're exposing because we want the truth that sets us truly free and helps us to walk in your footsteps and be a good disciple. Thank you, Lord, for your word and its power. Thank you, Lord, for affixing these words into hearts, into memories, into the mind, even into the emotions and even stirring the will to do your will. Thank you, Lord, for all your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we've learned that sin is deceptive and by your grace we're going to live in your truth. We're going to be free from the power of darkness to destroy our lives because we live by your book, your words. Thank you, Jesus. We love you just while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I just want to give the opportunity, if there's anyone who doesn't know God's salvation in a very real and deep way, you've, you've, you've been playing around, you're on the edge. I just want to give you an opportunity. If you'd like to indicate this morning, if you'd like to have a talk about it, like to come forward, we'd be happy to pray with you and share with you that you may know the day of your salvation. Hallelujah. Just raise your hand if you would like to indicate that. Praise God. Lord, we thank you for the word going forth and we thank you, Father, for everyone here. Thank you for going with us, blessing us, keeping us all in your great wonderful love. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Praise God.